Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Sally Ferrant. Yes, we do. And it is so good, y'all. Like, Mm -hmm. it's different than some of the shows we've done, and you're Mm going to really love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. We talk about pricing. Mm -hmm. Sally is a pricing expert. She helps people set their prices. And so we discussed all our pricing questions with her about Mm -hmm. like how you research pricing and, um, is there like, should your pricing be related to length of your book? And yeah, yeah, just all kinds of. Yeah. And mindset around pricing, you know, and I think uh, she talks about this, but women have a harder time asking for what they're worth Mm -hmm. um, than men do sometimes. And so, uh, yeah, just really great information. And I think you're really going to love it. So what's been going on with you, Sarah? Uh, Well, I have been out of town this week. Um, I mean, we just got back in last week. I was gone. We went to the mountains and we did hiking and it was beautiful and just loved it. Loved getting out of town for a while and actually loved being off social media. That was something I really enjoyed. Yes. So um, now I'm trying to get back in the groove with writing Mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of readjusting to a routine. Right. Yeah. What about you? What are you doing? Uh, Just getting ready for this launch. Um, I have I have a reader that is just fantastic with catching all the typos that everyone else has missed, Mm -hmm. and so I was waiting for her to get back to me. So before I put up the paperback, uh, I like to put the paperback up early, you know, to get reviews coming in Mm -hmm. on it. Even though I'm not doing a giveaway which we talked about uh but so she got back to me last week and i put the paperback up and i ordered paperbacks fingers crossed they're going to get to me <laughs> by the 25th because i have a signing that day uh, but if not yeah. it's okay if it, it's not it's it's fine but then i um i end up putting the pre-order up not before last, I guess. Yeah, not before last. And yeah, so I'm ready to roll. I'm just um, waiting for um, just some, a few things to come in so I can move forward. But mostly I'm just, you know, promoting the heck out of the pre-order or getting people excited. I, you know, I'm not looking for a ton of pre-orders, but I wanted the, I wanted the link. I'm just, I'm not brave enough to put it up like a cold release without the links, even though my pre-order went live in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, so crazy. The pre-orders seem to go faster for yeah. some reason. Yeah. It's so and, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't just, really know. Yeah. We just talked about that with like, I didn't do a pre-order for with the journal and mm-hmm. I, I missed it. I was like, I want that mm-hmm. link because it's just so much easier to do. It's like, just so much easier. Stuff. Yeah. And, um, the reviews are coming in and they're great. Uh, it's kind of blowing me away and um, so grateful for my readers. And so we'll see. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you all posted. I'm going to start today and I'm going to send an email every day to my list until Friday. And I'm going to give them a, a chapter a day. 
to the book. So we'll see how that goes. I warned them that they may get <laughs> more, more emails from me than normal. And, you know, if they don't want to open them and read them, they don't have to, yeah. and I'm going to be okay with that. It's not going to hurt my feelings, yeah. but I thought I would try it and see what happens. And um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I think that's interesting Yeah, because I've done that before, but only like an yeah. email separated, like by a week, usually yeah. leading up to yeah. it. So I think no, I'm going to do it every day. Yeah. To see every day. Cause that way people hopefully will get really hooked in. Yeah. And yeah. by the time it releases, they'll be ready to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea if this work, it may be a horrible idea. It may, it may be, you know, it could be a horrible it idea. It could be really good. Cause on Friday they could be going, well, I'm so sick of this and her, and I'm not opening <laughs> this email, but hopefully they won't. Hopefully they won't. That. So I'll take the hit for you guys. <laughs> if it's bad and let you know, if it's a good idea, you, then you can uh, certainly steal it. It's fine with me. Yeah. But yeah, so that's so, all that's been going on. Sounds good. So I'm excited for your release. Thanks. And we should do a question of the week about pricing. Yes, we should. So, um, what do you think about like, we could either do how you, how do you set your prices mm-hmm. or maybe uh, mindset blocks. Do you have any mindset blocks around pricing? Cause we talked about that a little bit about how yeah. sometimes that holds us back. Um, well, we could do, how do you set your pricing? And do you, I I sort of have three, how do you set your pricing? Do you experiment with pricing and do you have mindset blocks around pricing? Yeah. How about that? We'll do questions. Yeah. So you can answer one, all or none. (laughs) I'm all about giving choices. So yeah, Yeah. but we should get on with the interview because it's great. Yes, it is. All right. So here's Sally. All right. Today, we're really excited to have Sally Ferrant with us. Hi, Sally. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. You? We're great. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pricing today and just all things pricing. And uh, it's a big uh, topic of debate in the author community. So we're really interested to talk with you and see what you have to say. So let me read your bio real quick and we'll jump right in. Sally is a pricing expert. Coming from 25 years of accounting and business, she now helps small businesses get to grips with their numbers and pricing. She's the host of the Pricing Queen podcast. She's on a mission to get you to understand your numbers and how to have a successful business on your terms. Which sounds terrific. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've got my pen and paper ready. Exactly. And just FYI, it's not a different type of podcast today since my voice is so low. Uh, It's two o'clock your time, Sally. At yeah. eight o'clock our time. So um, <laughs> I've only had two cups of coffee this morning. So ho- <laughs> not enough. Not enough. No, well, not even two, one and a half. So hopefully we'll stay on track. So tell us a bit more about yourself and how you help businesses with pricing. Yeah. So I um, have had corporate jobs for about 25 years. Mm-hmm. So I had corporate jobs. I've worked for people like Channel 4 and Guinness World Records and people like that. And I've always done the internal accounts for them. And then right. I came out and decided that it was not flexible and didn't fit around my small children. Um, I've got two boys who are now nine and seven, but this was uh, four years ago. And it just wasn't very flexible around small children. I was being asked to work more and more and more. And in the end, I just said, no, it's enough. And yeah. I went out on my own. And so I do accounts internally for businesses. But actually, the biggest thing that small business owners ask, particularly solopreneurs and kind of individuals mm-hmm. running their own business, is pricing so it's the right. biggest question I got every time it's like how do I put my prices up 
how do I deal with it? And I mostly deal with women because actually women and pricing is a massive block. You know, we're yes. always taught that we should be here to help and we should be, uh, you know, and we should be doing things for free. Right, and suddenly yeah. it's like, actually, no, we need to earn some money. And also I think a lot of women start their business as a bit of a hobby. So they mm-hmm. kind of think, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'm doing it from the kitchen table or I'll start a book, or, you know, whatever it is, they think, oh, I'll just, you know, it's, it's, nobody takes it very seriously for a bit. And then suddenly it's a business. It's like, oh, uh, oh, oh, I've actually got to charge something decent for it and, and all right. of that sort of stuff. And it gets much more complicated. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. That is very true. We all have a lot of mind blocks or mental blocks around pricing, I think. Yeah. But I think women especially can have a lot. So, yeah. We have a lot of baggage sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes, massively. Uh, women underprice way more than men ever do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any aspirations to write yourself? Uh, well, I I would love to, but I don't think I'm a very good writer. <laughs> I also think that it would be the most boring book in the world if I wrote about something. If I wrote about something, work. I'd kind of like to write a book about like pricing and all that sort of stuff by myself. And I definitely couldn't write fiction. I mean, I'm an absolute, I'm an absolute avid reader. I read mm. all the time. I think my Kindle said I'm on a streak of like 500 and something days the other day. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so I read every day, but yeah, I'm not. I, I I look at books and go, this is great, but I don't I don't think I could write one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, who knows? Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someday. Yes. <laughs> but I love. I do love reading books, so that's always good. Yeah. What do you wish you your clients knew about your field? Well, I think a lot of people do now come to me for pricing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, it's kind of part of a bigger numbers picture. Again, I think women are often much more. And again, I, I, I do work with men, but yeah, generally women are much more afraid of numbers. Right. Small business owners often terrified of. So I kind of do kind of all aspects of numbers and kind of because a lot of accountants talk in terrible jargon. So I am an accountant, but uh, they're talking so much jargon and people come away and go, I didn't really understand what they said, but they don't want to say, I didn't really understand what they yeah, said. Yeah. Yeah. So part of that is trying to break that barrier a bit and kind of go, I am a normal human being and I'm not a really dull accountant. Um, yeah. <laughs> because they, well, there's a lot of them about, let's face it. <laughs> But also that you need to keep an eye on your numbers all the time. It's not something to do once a year when you see your accountant. Right. You need to know what's going on because it's the only way really to make decisions in your business. Right. And if you're not making enough money, then it's just a whole very expensive hobby. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm glad to hear you say that because a lot of times I think we get it, authors in particular get advice to not don't obsess over your numbers. Don't watch them every day. And I do. I mean, like <laughs> I watch mine every day. And when I don't, um, cause I've gone for periods where I didn't because, you know, I'm trying to be like other people say I should be. It makes it, first of all, it gives me anxiety. And second of all, um, I find that if something dips or, or goes sideways, it's really hard to, catch that and then get it back to where it's supposed to be. Do you, do you find that's part of the problem too? Yeah, I think so. I think that by not knowing you kind of, you sort of assume that you're doing okay. So I Mm -hmm. definitely have found at times where I kind of think, well, I'm doing quite well, but I'm also spending quite a lot on say Facebook ads or, 
or like when my podcast is on, it's reasonably expensive to get that produced. So it's kind of going, so you're suddenly like, well, actually, I'm spending almost as much as I'm as I'm taking yes. in, which means I'm yes. not earning very much. And you go right. through phases where that number, you know, and it can do mm-hmm. that. It can yeah. be very much in and out. Yeah. But you have to be careful that it's going to come back out again because actually yeah. the risk is that you're suddenly like, and most of the time what happens is that you don't pay yourself enough. Yes. Right. So what happens yeah. is you think, oh, yeah, it's going fine. Then you realise you haven't paid yourself for three months. Right. Like, hang, right. on, hang on a minute. I need yeah. to. And it's kind of stopping the slide, I think, yes. when you suddenly realise you're not, you know, you think you've had a really good month, been really busy, mm-hmm. and then you're looking at your income at the end of the month going, well, I've, you know, I haven't earned half what I thought. I, the amount of work right. I've done means that I should have earned more. Right, yeah. So I think, yeah, keeping your eye on it. Why do they say you shouldn't do that as an author? Because it because it's kind of a vanity thing. Uh, maybe, and it because it can cause it it can cause you to obsess over numbers okay, yeah. and stuff, which I get that. But yeah. I'm not really a numbers person. So for me, when I get behind, it's really hard for me to catch up because I'm like. Uh, do I carry the one? I don't know what but, I do. <laughs> but Jamie's like really good at ads. She says yeah. she's not good at numbers, but she's excellent at monitoring Facebook ads and figuring out tweaking. Yeah. And so she's, yeah. she's we self-deprecating. Yeah, we do. We do have our own skills. I'm, I'm constantly calling my husband, Has you know, come look at this. But yeah, that's, for me, it's important to keep an eye on it. But yeah. I, I generally keep my mouth shut about that because a lot of, like I heard one person say pretty really successful person say, um, I said something about rank and the amount of money I'm spending and stuff. And they said, well, just don't check your rank. Like I, I just never look at my rank and I'm like, but my rank tells me it's an indication of how I'm doing, you know? And, and anyway, but I just feel like, for me, I have to stay on top of it. So. And I think it's a bit of kind of, it's a bit like, you know, understanding whether Facebook ads are worth it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like if your rank is linked to your Facebook ads, then absolutely yeah. you're kind of like, actually, I need to know yeah, whether it's making difference. a difference or not because right. it's not making a difference. And I think that's true of lots of the statistics. There's so many numbers in a small business mm-hmm. that you kind of need to keep an eye on. And me and marketing, you know, it's something I've had to really learn because in mm-hmm. a big business, I just did the numbers, you know, yes. and now I'm like, yeah. oh, it's all about me. Oh, yes, no. exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, there's, all, there's all of that stuff. I'm just like, oh, myself. And it's a personal brand. And I think yeah. that makes a, it does make a, a difference. But you need to know what metrics in your business you need to recover. You know, it's like knowing how many people are on your list or how many people you can sell to and right. all of those sorts of things in terms of your email. And yeah. But yeah, Facebook ads, particularly when you're investing, can be quite large amounts of money. Yes. You need to know whether it's worth it. Right. And it can be quite difficult to see that, I think, sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, on your podcast, The Pricing Queen, which is excellent, um, you list some pricing myths in one of your episodes. So can we go through a couple of those and, you know, like kind of talk through some of them So um, and how they might apply to authors? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, price, the first one you had out was pricing is a one and done thing. That's a myth. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a myth. So I think that <laughs> you, you can change the price as often as you want. Yes. And it, for all of us, it's always evolving. Um, you start out like generally you hope that prices generally go up, mm-hmm. but also if you've overpriced something, you can always bring it down. I know that's true a lot in 
and, and I don't know enough about how the world of authors work. I know enough mm. as a buyer. Yes. You know, Amazon are constantly discounting and going, ah, oh, look, you can have it for 99p today. Yeah. Um, so there's less control, I guess. But it's kind of going, actually, there isn't, you know, you don't have to fix. If you fix on a price today, you can change it as often as you kind of feel, see fit. Right. You want to be right. changing it every day. But I, I always say you put your price up after five clients and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And definitely as you become a better known mm-hmm. expert author in this case you know you can charge more for mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and I, I guess for books it's a bit more tricky because there tends to be a bit more of a standard for for books yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know whether there's a premium you can charge on books really or whether it's just hardback paperback kind of yeah. I think it is and I think honestly for indie authors we do have control of our pricing which is awesome um Laurelyn Page, uh, she's an author. She spoke at a conference I was at, and she said that you can find different readers at different price points, which I think is true um, for you know, especially ebooks. You know, because yeah. it, it is a bit of a sliding scale. And I've I've sold mine for as little as two ninety nine and as much as five ninety nine, and four ninety nine seems to be a really good price point for me. Uh, but you know. It's, and I guess what you get is a lot of loyal fans. So actually, yes. interesting. I've just written my today's daily email that I write, and and I and I wrote because I've been listening to something from a lady called Susie Ashworth, and she said there's a price for everyone. Yes. So yes. there is a price where somebody will buy it yes. at. Yes. And yes. if you people aren't buying, you haven't found the people who want that at that right. price. Right. Because at some because there's some people who price equates uh, quality. And so if it's set too low, then they assume that it's it's a kind of not worth it. It's a bargain price. It's a bargain service or whatever. And so a higher price brings those people in, which is mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. I had no yeah, I think and, and I think that's right. And I think that's a bit about kind of the pricing low when you're new thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is that you price low because you think, well, I'm new, I haven't done it before. Right. But actually people then think, well. It's harder to put your price up, but it's yeah. also people go, well, you don't know what you're doing then. Yeah. People do, there is definitely a, a like, exactly what you just said. There's a point below which people go, well, that must, if I, if I can get it for 99 cents, then it's just a, yeah, it's rubbish. It's a rubbish book. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're just trying to give it yeah. away. Yeah. And I think it. That goes back to the mindsets we have because a lot of us, we think, well, I'm new or it's my first book. And I don't have any fans, so I have to price it at 99 cents to get people to give it a try, which people will give it a try Mm -hmm. at 99 cents more easily, I think, than a higher price. But it's an interesting, like, I don't think that there's a, as many people agree with the idea that you can find readers at higher price points in Mm -hmm. the author world. They're like, well, a lot of people think it needs to be low to draw people in. But there is a market of people out there. There's a group of people who will pay more and they will associate more value with it. Yeah, because and I think that's right. And I think that, you know, sometimes you do need to, like if you're trying to get into the market, you almost certainly do start at a lower price than you would if you've got five years, 10 years, 20 books, whatever it right, is. Right, right. Um, but I don't think that you should always be pricing really, really low just because you are new to something. Right. 
Right. Um, and I think often people leave other jobs, which means they have experience and stuff that is relevant to. Right. Now, sometimes if they go off and write about something totally different, but, you know, sometimes it is totally relevant what they've been doing before, if they were writing before, you know, that actually means that, that you don't need to charge the lowest, lowest price. You might charge a mid price rather than a really premium price, right. but, but you don't need to charge rock bottom prices right at the beginning. Yeah. Right. Well, I, when I... Um launched my first book, I launched it at $2.99, which was at the time high because a lot of books were being launched at 99 cents. But there was just something in my gut that said, I cannot give this book away for, you know, for 99 cents. And it did great. And then I raised my price to $3.99 after, I don't know, several weeks, a couple of weeks or whatever. And it stayed that for about six or eight months. And a friend of mine was looking at, we were at a retreat and she was looking at my book and she was like, and the reviews and everything, she said, Jamie, you need to raise your price to $4.99. I mean, yeah, $4.99. And I was like, no. And she said, yeah, you do. And so I did. And it was like, and the world, and the world oh my gosh, it gripped <laughs> my heart. I just couldn't hardly breathe. But what turned out, I didn't see a drop in anything. In fact, I saw an increase in income. And Thank you, Amy Teagan. Uh, shout out to you because had I, had she not said that, I don't know that I ever would have raised my price because I thought, well, I'm new, you know, I only have two books and, you know, all of this stuff, but it was really not a big deal at all to raise it that dollar. It, it did not affect sales at all. Yeah. And so. I think it is kind of going actually how price sensitive are people about yes. that sort of thing. And I yes. think there is there is a point, you know, people are probably not going to pay $10 for a book they've never heard of. Yes. So you, and I, but I think people do buy. So for me, like, I mean, I've got a Kindle, so I tend to, I'm much more inclined to buy books in a way that I might not have bought books when I bought right. books. So right. I don't buy paper, I don't buy paper books anymore. Yeah, which is yeah. which is a bit sad, but it's much more convenient. Yeah. Um, but I've got loads of books on my Kindle all the time. So and actually, I'm always looking for new authors mm-hmm. and new things to read and all of that right. sort of stuff. So I'm much more inclined to just you know five pounds, five dollars. You know, it doesn't seem that much to to have that sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I think sometimes we overthink it a little bit too much because yeah. our price points in the big scope of things are pretty low. So. Yeah. So maybe yes, we because it's a volume business, isn't it? Yeah, a yeah. Lot of time. Yeah, and in yeah. the end, if you price it at seven dollars and it's too much, uh, there's nothing to stop you moving it down. No, you know, if nobody no, buys no. it at seven dollars, you just go, well, okay, well, I'll make it five, right? And, and keep yeah. moving it down until. But once you start at very low, it's much, it's almost harder to come up than it is to go yes. down. Absolutely. Even though I think psychologically we feel it's harder to go down because you're like, well, I. You know, I clearly haven't sold enough, so I've got mm-hmm. to go down. Yeah. But I, I don't think people think. I don't think people think. Often, people haven't even seen it at a previous price or whatever right. it is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We worry about things too much because I've heard authors say, "But if I put it down, the people who bought it at this other price are going to be upset." And I was like, "They're probably not even going to notice." You know, yeah, they're probably not going <laughs> to know reading because some they other it. book. <laughs> yeah, they've they've read that book now and they don't. They've like, moved but, on. Yeah, <laughs> and and like I say, books go up and down. Yes, you know, yeah, you get offers time. and all the time, yeah. and you know, you can yeah. run it as a special offer. Look, there's an offer. It's you know yeah. for a couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, so we've hit a couple of the myths. The pricing is a one and done thing, and that pricing should be low when you're new. And then I think the other one was you can't double your prices overnight. Is that right? Is that the other myth? Yeah. So I don't see any reason why you can't do that. You know, I just think that there is a, 
particularly if you've got very low prices. So if you double your prices and lose half your clients, that's fine. You're still in the same position you were before yeah. and you've got space <laughs> to get more clients. So there's that kind of thing of, oh my God, if I double my if I double my prices, I'll lose half my clients. It's like, well, that's kind of fine because yeah. there's, there's space. So, and I think that you, you kind of think, well, I'll lose clients and some clients you won't lose. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of fear around losing people in general, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, like you say, you double it. What's the worst that could happen? People say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't yeah. afford that. And you yeah. think about how yeah. you manage that with the client. Yeah. Um, or you double it. And then if they're upset, you say, well, keep an eye out. There will be a sell, you know, yeah. soon in the future. Yeah. And you yeah. can yeah. And- or check your library. Yes, that's another good one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that again, it's kind of going. Well, look, there are times again. It's it's keeping an eye on how well things sell. If you put your prices mm-hmm. up a lot, like we just said, if you put them up a lot and nobody buys, well, you kind of go, well, I've I've reached the price, and then you just want to bring it down gradually until mm-hmm. you reach the tipping point mm-hmm. where actually enough people buy that it's worth it to be more than you know. So you might say, well, actually, it's not double, but it's it's four it's four or five dollars more than it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of going, actually, where is the point at which people stop buying? And that's why you say about keeping your eye on your stats, actually. It's like if you are moving your pricing around, keep a really good eye on how many people buy at different price points. And I know there are other factors as well around, you know, launches and, you know, all of that sort of stuff and special promotions. But if you're generally offering books at a price, then kind of see how and give it time, give it enough time to bed in. So that you don't mm-hmm. you're not flitting around with the pricing a lot because people just yeah. don't know but I don't I don't know I don't know how sensitive I don't feel like people I don't feel like a book at the cut that cut like you say because books are not desperately expensive they're right. not you right. know it's not a great investment of money to kind right. of go well I'll buy a five dollar book yeah yeah or ten dollar book or whatever it is and right. I think business books often you can charge yeah. more oh yeah, yeah. absolutely non definitely yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, ebooks have a lower price point, and many fiction authors don't have a big ticket item other than their audiobooks if they have audiobooks and or ebook bundles like box sets. Um, do you have any suggestions for authors who'd like to create a product or a higher price at a higher price point? So I often think for authors, it would be about things like teaching other people how to write a book mm-hmm. or so that so I think you know in in authors is kind of if you're writing a book it's kind of a reasonably fixed price but you know right, there is a right, there yeah. is an upper limit I think yeah, you just right. can't you can't get away from that and and it, I think it is reasonably price pressured as an industry but I think that what you where you could do more is to kind of do workshops or do kind of memberships like for someone like me who totally I'm like I could I couldn't write a book Mm-hmm. But actually, I kind of think, well, I've got a great idea, but I just don't know how to get started. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of like, actually, I do think that teaching other people to write how they could write books or even having a kind of membership where you say, right, well, we'll write a book in this length of time. I think that's where the and I think you can do all of that online or even have right. a course where you do that online. And I think right. that's where you could kind of say, well, actually, that's some of the opportunity Um to do more high ticket stuff I think it's yeah I mean bundles work well Mm -hmm. um, but again Mm -hmm. that's usually it's slightly at a discount right Mm -hmm. you're often offering a bundle for a little bit less than the the, you're for a little bit less than some of the whole kind of thing the parts more make it a deal Um, yeah yeah so it's generally a bit of a deal even if it's not a massive deal Um, so I think it's those sorts of things that you kind of if you want to kind of 
do that sort of thing. And I think these days, your online courses and stuff like that, you can do all of that from home. You don't even have to do it live, um, but you can also kind of help people through the process of writing a book and kind of getting their idea out there, how to self-publish, how to, you know, it's like, well, if I'm starting out writing a book, what would, what would I want to know? Right. 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 Well, what would you say to somebody like, um, like I want to do the most, I want to focus the most of my time on my fiction and I have a couple of courses set up, but they're more, um, I guess they'd be like self-paced, like here's the material. You Passive income kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But what if somebody like just wants, what's the difference between that and like consulting with someone like doing like a one-time Mm-hmm. Like I'll take like somebody. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie yeah. does some of that. So can you so, talk so to I definitely think, that? yeah. So definitely one-to-one consultancy is much, much higher price point. So my, you know, your one-to-one consultancy starts at a decent price. You know, mm-hmm. mine starts at kind of 500 pounds a day plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and but if you've got a course, one of the great advantages of that I mean it's not never totally passive. So passive right. income is a bit of a load, but it is yeah. scalable. So <laughs> yeah. you can sell it. If you do it once, you can either run it live or you run it as a course, mm-hmm. you know, with all the material, you can sell it a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. And right. you don't have to do any more for that other than market it out and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes that's a lot of work. But once you've created the material, you don't have to then recreate it every time. Whereas obviously one-to-one, it's different for every person that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But it's much higher price. And I often say to people, the best thing to do is to do the one-to-one thing first mm-hmm. and work out your process. So if you've got, so to tell me a bit about what you do consultancy-wise, Jamie. Well, um, what I will do is I'll do like an hour-long Zoom call where we look at, uh, depending on what they need, but I look at their uh, Amazon page. We evaluate their covers. Their blur, you know, if they're not selling, why are they selling? Um I will will also come up with strategies for selling books in a series like Is Your Back Matter the Way It Needs to Be? Are you pulling people through a series? Um, and then some ad uh, consultation, just depending on, you know, what they need. Because, well, I'm good at ads. I don't, I'm not an expert at ads. And so I feel like, you know, that, but... And then if they need a follow-up call, I give them a follow-up call for free. But... I have a very, I know, I have a very hard time. <laughs> you didn't see my face there, did you? I, I just made a very, I made a very <laughs> light raised eyebrow face. face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. But here's the deal. I have trouble sometimes, I have trouble with getting clients sometimes because, or a lot of times, because the things I offer are for people who aren't really making money, you know, and I'm saying, how can I make more money? And so and I mean, I'll just tell you, I charge $300 for that call and then you get a free follow-up call. And so for me, that sounds reasonable. I would have paid that, but there are a lot of people who won't pay that. So I was getting a lot more business when my prices were lower, but I just found that there were a lot of people that would do it. I would spend this time, do all the work, and then they wouldn't do what I suggest to take the suggestion so actually what you want with this sort of thing is to say right is to go back to previous clients and say how much money have you made now we made those changes yeah and what you want to see is that people have made back more than they pay yes Yes. and that's when you can kind of go this was worth it look you know most of my clients if if you do the work yes I can make you three hundred dollars back and here is the evidence Mm -hmm. and it's kind of talking about that you know where you can kind of go you can't always prove that 
no. what you told them is going to make more money. Mm-hmm. But if they're not making any sales, mm-hmm. you presumably can move most people to move to making three hundred dollars worth of sales if they, you know, if they choose to do it. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. And I'm, I'm sure you've got clients where that has definitely happened. They've made yes. more than that. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's yeah. that's the kind of focus of your marketing is kind of going. Yes. Look, this seems like a lot of money. And I think sometimes it's calling it out. Yes. And yeah, this seems like a lot of money, but look, you know, if you do but, the work and pretty much, I mean, you can't quite guarantee, but here is the, you know, here right, is all the, the potential. people. Yeah. Here's right. the potential. And I will make, you know, if you right. do the work, the $300 will come back several times over or whatever right. you've, you know, whatever you can say. Right. And I think it is kind of moving, you know, sometimes, yes, people don't have loads of money, but actually they're also like, I've written a book, I spent a lot of time writing a book. And I'm now not because presumably one of the problems with self-publishing is there's no upfront. There's no investment. Well, there's no, but there's also no, nobody's buying your book off you. So there's no right. cash. So right, presumably right, right. often not making any money until you right. actually make sales. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes it's talking about that as being an investment in your business mm-hmm. and how to make, you know, if people are not, don't know how to make, it's a really difficult thing on how to make sales and stuff like that. It is. It is. And I've made sales from the beginning. So it's not like I'm not talking about things I don't know about. You know, I mean, I I put in the work in the front on the front end. So from the beginning, I was making sales. And so I do think that, um, like, I'm confident in what I do, but I also like to help people. And I do understand being, sorry. Yeah. Broke ass broke. I know. And I think this this is what we come back to what we said at the beginning, which is kind of like, actually, we want to help. The other thing you can do though, is that you could um, produce um, a a mini course or an hour's masterclass, Mm -hmm. which for those people who say, I can't afford that. You Mm -hmm. say, well, here's my generic one. Right. And you go through your process of what they could do. In, and then oh, okay. if they come back and say, actually, here's my $50 thing, mm-hmm. I've, you know, go away and have a go at some of those things. And they could, if they understood it enough, they could get a result from doing that. Well, that's very, yeah. If you want one to one, you're going to have to pay for it. And mm-hmm. you might find that plenty of people buy the $50 thing and never come back for any more. Right. And other people will go, oh this is too hard I can't uh, I need some help yeah Um, Yeah. actually they kind of go so you could say well people that say I can't afford it be careful Mm -hmm. of your um be careful of I can't afford it is I don't really want to do it I can't really right well and that was another reason I decided to raise my price because it is frust for me (laughs) it's frustrating because I do put a lot you know if they say this is what I need I look at all their stuff I read all their blurbs you know and and I put a lot of emotional and mental effort into it and then when they say well I don't want to change my covers my my current readers love my covers and I'm like but your covers aren't selling this book to your to any new readers so you need to change this cover or my suggestion would be to change this cover or at least give it a try that's that's frustrating and then when they don't do it it's and then yeah it's frustrating and then you don't get the result and then you know I don't get it's yeah. yeah They were like average, kind of, yeah. And it's definitely when I talk to people about pricing, and a lot of the stuff is about confidence. Yes, so actually, a lot of pricing is about you've just got to kind of put on your big girl pants and kind of go, 
Yes. Oh, and then you tell them the price and then you go, right, I'm not going to say anything for at least 30 seconds of waiting for what they say. Yeah. But actually a lot of it is about is about that. And actually if they don't have the confidence to then go off and, you know, they won't have that conversation. You're like, you're going to have to put your price up with that client. That is a ridiculous price. You cannot possibly. Right. They don't do it. And you're like, well, I can't, I can't do it for you. Yes. Exactly. But then they haven't, you know, they haven't done it. And it's a shame because you're like, well, that's actually, that one conversation is probably the main thing you need to do. Right. Right. And like you say, changing the covers, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Actually, something quite small yeah. is a really massive hurdle. So I think yes. it's kind of, yeah. So I think thinking about whether you could have a cheaper thing, a very good, if people yeah. don't want to work with you one-to-one or can't afford to, yeah, I definitely think it's worth having. And particularly if you feel, and I, I, I'm like you, often people that come to me about pricing don't have very much money because they're undercharging. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got right. the same yeah, problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're coming about pricing, you often do have that problem. So right. I think it's having something you can kind of go, well, look, until you're ready to work with me one-to-one, here is my, right. you know, I have a couple of hundred pounds for a power hour, which works quite well, but actually here's my 27-pound yeah. masterclass or right. whatever, right. Um, where you can teach people to do it. But it's making sure they can still get some result out of it if they do what you say in the class. Right. So for me, I've got a packages masterclass, and by the end of it, you could create your packages. They're right. not bespoke to you. The class is not bespoke to you individually but you right. could you are able to do that as part of the class. Right. So it's making sure that whatever you're selling they can get they don't have to come back to you to work one to one with you. Right. They didn't want to. Okay. Cuz right. I think you can yeah. feel a bit shortchanged otherwise cuz people yes. go well actually now I've done this but actually I can't do it myself. Right. Right. Yeah. So you do have things at the end. And some about how capable you are and all yeah. that sort of thing as well. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great idea. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, um so coming back to just like the different price points, because this is something that comes up in the author community a lot, is that mm-hmm. authors should price their books according to length. So like a short story is 99 cents, a novella is 2.99, a novel 3.99 or 4.99 or a little bit higher. So what are your thoughts on using length to set prices? I kind of think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? Because I do think that as a definitely as a consumer, I'm like, if it's a really short story, I'm like, well, I don't want to pay loads for it. And right. I think sometimes those sorts of things can be a good introduction to mm-hmm. to um, authors. I think in general, length is not, I think probably the type of story it is. Mm-hmm. So if it's billed as a short story, that probably is cheaper and mm-hmm. probably as a novella, the same thing. Whereas yeah. a full length, but I think a full length novel could be anything mm-hmm. 300 pages up. You know, my Kindle mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, oh, it says like 49 minutes. I'm like, well, that's, I don't, yeah, I paid, it, like, I've, I've paid like five dollars for that. I don't, that's, yeah. that's a lot. And it's your expectations, right? Because it's like you're expecting, if you're expecting something full length or you think you're buying something that's full length. And yeah. then it's not, then you're disappointed. And that's what we don't want. Right. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a difference between full length, what you would consider a full length novel versus a shorter length novel. Right. But I think that once you get into it, whatever the minimum is considered to be for a full length novel kind of thing, mm-hmm. then actually after that, it's not about, it's not about the number of pages and you want right. to avoid it being about the number of pages. Mm-hmm. So if you bill it as a short story or as a novella, then I would expect it to be priced cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a full length, but other than that, I wouldn't expect there to be right. masses of price difference between them. Yeah, just mm-hmm. because it's like eight hundred pages versus four hundred or whatever the yeah. yeah that that's not a deciding factor. I don't think after that. Right. Yeah, but presumably there's quite a lot of pressure to do that as well. Yeah, <laughs> longer but longer books create more money. Right. right. They do. Yeah. yeah. But I think too, if you think about it, like within my catalog, 
and, and if my price points make sense for my books versus like, oh, well, everybody else is pricing, you know, $3.99 for a novel. So therefore my novels have to be $3.99. So that means my short stories have to be $9.99. So like if you, like if it makes sense for your readers and they can look at your books and go, okay, her price points are this, they make sense, then yeah, I think that's probably I think it's really, I think that's it. I think it's thinking about the, the customer, in this case, the buyer's journey, you know, right. through your stuff. They might say, well, actually, I'll pay a small amount to buy something small from you to see if I want to work with you. So for me, that's kind of a masterclass or something like that. For you guys, it might be a short story or a novella. They're like, well, I'll start with something small or when it's on offer. Right. And then they'll be like, right, well, okay, the next thing I'll come through. You kind of want to think about how people get to your kind of right. my most expensive <laughs> book. Yeah. yeah, my new book or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you want to push people. You know, you want to kind of go where, where, where am I trying to get people to get to at the right. end of the journey with me? Where's the ideal place? And I think it's trying to see whether actually that does come that way. And like you say, yeah, if you're, but also it's pitching your prices that you're going. Actually, if I'm at three ninety nine, I'm going to have to sell my my short stories at ninety nine cents. Whereas actually, if my full price book is seven or eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Actually, I could sell my short stories at, at, at a different point. And it's also oh, thinking right. about how often you find you have to discount. Because right. actually, if you end up feeling you've got a discount a lot, then actually starting with a cheap price doesn't help you because you've got to then constantly, you know, you've got to discount right. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and if you, if, yeah. If you start at like four or five ninety nine, it's easier to discount. You have more, you can give a yeah. bigger discount. Whereas if you start at two ninety nine, you know. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. There's nowhere it's to go. not worth it for you. I mean, in the end, you've got to go. And it, and some of it's also going. How many have I got to sell of something to make to make my money mm-hmm. back? And I know that's a bit more tricky when you're writing books because there's a huge investment of time up front, right? Which right. I I don't know whether you I don't know whether you ever totally get back unless no. You, you know. Well, I think over the life of your book, though, because books are unique because you can. Well, that's true too. You know, yeah. like you can write the book and then you can earn your royalties it's properly, for it's properly passive once you yes once you get it going yeah. it's one of the only yes. like really good yeah. passive especially yeah. if you're indie because then you can make so much more money on each copy yeah. that yes. you can really you can you can earn your money back sometimes pretty quickly yeah you know, depending yeah. on if it you know the first book it's always going to take longer to write the first yes. book yeah. and get yeah. it going so yeah but I think it is thinking about like if I've got a, if I sell things at 99 cents how many would I have to sell how if right. I sold them at Three ninety nine. Oh, suddenly, you know, and actually, the kind of the realistic bit of go, you know, I do this with a lot of clients. It's like, well, how many of those of you, if you're going to sell things at twenty seven quid or at three ninety nine, how many would it actually sell to mm-hmm. make that worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, if you start with a slightly higher price, you the effort's less to get that far. Yeah, and yes, less True. people buy, but you don't have to sell as many. Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what's your advice on price research on comp authors or genres in general? And should we make sure our prices are in line with other authors in our genre? So I always think that actually competition is overrated because you are (laughs) totally unique. And I think in this situation, you really are. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, I think... you might say, well, I'm kind of a pricing expert, and but there are other pricing experts. You know, I'm not, you know, you are buying me, but you're not, it's not that unique. Whereas I think when you're writing books, it really is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth keeping an eye always on that you're not wildly out of the pricing in your genre. 
But I also think that, you know, so I think if you're double the nearest price, then probably that's not going to work. But if you've got a really loyal fan base who are prepared to buy it at that rate, then frankly, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Right. And again, I think it's looking at the difference between, you know, if you're self-publishing versus not self-publishing, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of, there's a different price. You're deciding the price. Mm -hmm. So I would say that keep an eye on the competition that you're not wildly out and I, I say this to most of my clients, that you're not ridiculous. And if you are lows more expensive, make sure you're very clear in your marketing why that is. Right, right. right. So if you're twice the price of someone else, why are you twice the price of someone else? You've oh, written 25 good. books. Yeah. Right, You've written right. 25 books instead of two. Mm, right, yeah. So it makes that, that also makes quite a difference. And I think it's kind of being really, I think if your pricing is quite off, if you sort of mean, actually being really clear in some of your marketing, look, actually this is more expensive because of X and Y. And I think yeah. it's... Right. It's kind of calling some of that out as well, because otherwise people go, "Well, that's far too expensive," and they've gone before you've kind of, <laughs> right. Well, right. You've yeah. had time to explain it, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't even give you a chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we've we've hit on um, some of the myths and talked about a lot of the mindset issues. Are there any other common mistakes you see when it comes to pricing? I think we've covered pretty much all of them. Really, the main, the kind of main kind of mistakes which is to think that you I think the main one is really to think that you can't put up your prices that it's it's just a really difficult thing to do because you'll lose clients and and yes you might lose some clients but actually if you're putting them up enough and if you know you're going to do it then actually it's the time you know start marketing more heavily for more you know for more for more income it's time to start looking around um I think that the confidence thing is a massive thing. Actually, yeah. you've just got to go in there and kind of go, do you know, I'm going to have this really uncomfortable conversation. And I still find some of the pricing conversations uncomfortable. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away, but the more you do them, mm-hmm. the easier those conversations are. And the and the more you put your prices up and somebody buys it, you're like, oh, oh, yay. <laughs> Actually, <Right>. yay. <laughs> you know, I, that, I've got that. That was the equivalent of two. Or right, one yeah. and a half or whatever it is. I actually I didn't have to make nearly so much effort. Right. Yeah. Um, so and I definitely think, and I think just making sure you don't discount too heavily without good reason. Right. And again, definitely with the one-to-one type work and things like that. They say they can't afford it. You don't go, well, here's 20% off. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You go, well, here's my ebook or here's my course or here's yes. my whatever it is that you've got group program or whatever it is that you've got. Here's my kind of you know, my not one-to-one offering right. because I think otherwise people would go, well, I, I got that for $150 and I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to do anything. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of undermining, yeah. don't undermine the value of what you offer, I think. And I think it's very easy to go, they go, I can't afford it. And you're like, oh, I really want that client or I need that money. It's mm-hmm. really easy to go, okay, I have a discount. But they're yes. almost always the biggest pain clients and you'll yes. do more work for them than yes. them. So we just need to be brave. Yes. And, yeah. and figure yes. out our pricing. Know your worth. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yes, but also if you know your market as well about, you know, yeah. kind of and test it out and test and test and test until you right. get the right thing. And also if you're doing a price and you're like, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable, so you, yeah. go, you know, and then you go a bit too far and then you're like, oh, I feel slightly sick now. Mm-hmm. that's the point at which you come back to the, oh, so you should always be slightly uncomfortable with your pricing because mm-hmm. that means that you have not got, you're not in your comfort zone. It's not got, it's not got too easy, mm-hmm. but also if you feel too sick, you will not be able to sell at that price because you will never be confident that you can sell. Right. right. So keep yeah. moving your pricing until you feel 
until you feel uncomfortable, but not yeah. like, oh my God, I could never do that. Right, right. And then come back to this slightly uncomfortable promise. Yeah. And so for us as writers, when we do it, I mean, like doing a course or a consultancy is a little bit different because you're talking bigger yes. numbers. But like with our books, we also have the advantage that we don't have to have face-to-face conversations about this. We put the price up. If it sells, <laughs> yay. If it doesn't, we can lower yes. it. So yes. it's like there's really so be not- brave. Even more yeah. reason to be brave. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and well, also, also, you're also oh, putting it up. You can also put it up by quite small increments as well, because right. actually the numbers are relatively small. So you don't, you know, you can put it up by a dollar. Mm-hmm. And although that's a big increase in a big increase in percentage terms, actually it's not a very big increase in price. Right. Um, you might go from 399 to 499, and actually people still buy exactly the same number of books right. as they did at 399. Yes. Right. And sometimes and different outlets might be more successful than others. Right. Yeah. Well, and also if you're in Kindle Unlimited, where you know readers can borrow books, and if the like I have raised my price to I mean, like I said, I, I was at 599 for about six months last year. And, but I found that I actually did make slightly more at 499. So I went back to 499. I just felt that felt like a better, safer, or not you've safer, tested, but, but you've tested, yeah, it. I tested it. But, um, but it really doesn't matter a whole lot if the majority of your readers are in Kindle Unlimited. And so they're going to borrow the book anyway. That gives you a little bit more freedom to test your prices because, yeah. The majority of your money is coming from KU and not from. And is that a fixed? Is that a fixed price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The K the KU subscription is subscription is. No, do you get a fixed price? Yes, you get a you get seventy percent. Okay. Well, no, I'm sorry. The money you get from KU does vary per month, but that and that is out of our control. That's 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 one of the issues. But it's not like it's wildly different each month. You can. Kind of have a prediction, yeah. but I guess the advantage of that is because people have a subscription and they borrowing, they're essentially borrowing books for free. Correct. Then they might they might be more inclined to pick up a book from you where they kind right. of go, well, I'll have a try, yeah. and then and yeah. then they might be more inclined to buy. So often, sometimes buying into something, you know, going into something that's slightly less profitable, yes, can be certainly for authors. Is it might be a way to get you in front of more people and right. a wider audience. Right. And therefore then they will come off and buy. Right. Yeah. If they're like, well I want to read more, there's a limit right. to how many books I can have through this or whatever. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. I know some authors do have a certain series in Kindle Unlimited just to pull people in. And then there's other people that they rotate their books kind of in or out, or they have certain books in and certain books out. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of. So if you, you know, want to you come and find it, you know, if you want to read me endlessly, and people do, people pick up and go, oh, I like this author. And then they'll read a whole series or a whole, right, right. you know, a whole set of books. So actually, it can be quite a good way to kind of really pull people in, I think, yeah. although it's low cost. And but right. I think it's kind of thinking about all the channels that you can kind of keep open. And right. it, like yeah. you say, if it can provide a slightly steady background income. Mm-hmm. that's sometimes quite helpful as well I think yeah yeah it can be really good right well tell people where they can find you more about you and your podcast and all of that this has just been so fascinating I've really really it's actually sparked some things for me <laughs> and I appreciate it <laughs> <Good>. so, <laughs> to, um, yeah, to, 
so yeah the podcast is called uh the pricing queen you can find it wherever you get your podcasts um and i'm mostly on instagram at the pricing queen um so that's the probably the easiest place to find me great right terrific awesome yeah well we will have all those links in the show notes and you can find them all at wish i'd known then podcast.com and thanks to alexa larberg for editing and producing the podcast and we'll see you guys next week yeah Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.